Okay, so it's still the year 2050, and you're going to visit your grandpa, who, let's just say, is 75 years old. So you're trundling up the driveway, and you see him wave from the roof of his house before he parkours down, executing a sick roll just as he hits the ground. What on earth is the secret to his vitality? It couldn't be like a bacteria thing now, could it? Guys, for your listening pleasure, here's another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria. As always, I am your host, Dr. K. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you so much for joining me. It could be a Tuesday, it could be whenever you're uh, listening to this. Um, but whenever you're listening to this, while you're here, if you'd be so kind as to hit the follow button and possibly share with a friend, um, that would be super cool. Um, so last week, last week what we did is we talked a lot about how we can go about curating a microbiome. Uh, and the reason for and the reason we brought this whole thing up, this notion of curating microbiomes, is to this really, really all important fact about bacteria and the place that they have in our lives. And that fact is that a lot of what we do and how we do the things that we do is contingent upon and relies upon the bacteria that live in and on us. I'm going to say that again. A lot of what we do, and a lot of how we do the things that we do relies on the bacteria that make up, our microbiome. Now, this is a really, really cool thing for several reasons. First of all, it's super cool because it's just a really surprising fact. It's easy to think as humans that we're in total control of ourselves and that would be totally fine without our bacteria. And in fact, bacteria, they they have kind of a bad rap. Writ large, oftentimes they can get maligned just because of how um, just because of how bacteria in certain situations will become pathogenic. The vast majority of bacteria, however, couldn't care less about us and what we do. And even the vast majority of pathogenic bacteria, and I'm putting that in scare quotes right now, are just normal bacteria with which we interact on a normal basis but become pathogenic due to a change in their environment or in their overall situation. Now, uh, we talked last week about one of these situations that changes the environment for for bacteria, and specifically we, we touched on antibiotic resistance. Since bacteria in hospitals are are pretty regularly exposed to um, exposed to antibiotics of different kinds and different concentrations. They're able to develop antibiotic resistance, and that makes them really hard to treat, and it makes it really hard to stop them from growing in and on people who have weak immune systems. And that point being that the environment of the bacteria plays a really big role in terms of how the bacteria behaves and how the bacteria changes. The other thing we mentioned last week was how a lot of research is going into regulating and curating microbiomes and the environments of those microbiomes. And this would have two different positive effects. The first one would be um, it would make an environment that didn't encourage bacteria to lash out at their human hosts. That's the first positive effect. And the second positive effect, it could promote bacterial species that are associated with healthy human behavior. We talked last week about how Um, how we can negatively regulate microbiomes using things like smart windows instead of antibiotics. But we kind of left it open-ended towards the end about what about positively regulating microbiomes? What does that look like? Uh, Why would we want to encourage bacterial growth? So in order to answer that fundamental question, why would we want to encourage bacterial growth and what's so important about positively regulating microbiomes, we've got to return to that fact that we mentioned at the top of the episode, which is that bacteria mediate the way we interact with our environment. When we say that bacteria mediate the way that we interact with our environment, we mean 
um, that a lot of the human responses that we have, like the type of immune system response that we have, how our metabolism is or isn't functioning, even the way that we think and feel, each of those are influenced in a large part by the bacteria that make up our microbiome. Every single one of those things, we're going to have to do individual episodes on on those specific components and, and bring up cool new papers on all of them. We'll put that to the side. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the implications for something like that. But the main point here is that the bacteria that make up different microbiomes causes people to respond to environments differently. I'm going to say that again because I might have messed that up. The bacteria that make up different microbiomes cause people to respond to different environments differently. Okay? Now, the natural conclusion from something like that is that it means that they're um, that there are microbiomes that are healthy and facilitate healthy responses to environments, and then there are microbiomes that are unhealthy and facilitate unhealthy behaviors and unhealthy responses to environments, okay? So how do we go about increasing healthy bacteria and decreasing unhealthy bacteria? How do we um, ensure that we have a microbiome that allows us to respond to our environment in a healthy or an enhanced way? And this is where we introduce this notion of probiotics. Now, probiotics, uh, with which you may be familiar, are essentially they're just culture bacteria that we take as a way of supplementing in scare quotes or cultivating also in scare quotes our microbiome. We get them in things like yogurt. Um, we get them in things like kombucha or even in pill form at the store. The main point of a probiotic is to inoculate our guts with so-called healthy bacteria as a way of ensuring that the microbiome that we have is facilitating a healthy response to our environments. Now, this is a really great idea in theory. By supplementing our microbiomes, by making them stronger, by making them healthier, we should be able to better interact and interface with the world and maybe even enhance the way that we interact with the world. But there's currently a fundamental problem with probiotics, and that's a problem with complexity. See, most probiotics, they don't have a whole lot of different bacterial species. Let's take yogurt, for example. Yogurt uses a specific brand of lactobacillus, which is awesome for making yogurt, um, but it doesn't represent the entirety of the microbiome. Similarly, a lot of recommended probiotics, even the ones you get recommended from the doctor, will only have a couple of different types of bacteria in them, um, meaning that while these bacteria aren't going to hurt you or they may even help you in certain situations, they don't represent um, what I'll call a healthy or an enhanced microbiome. And the reason why, which I'm sure you've gleaned at this point, is that microbiomes don't consist of one or two or even 10 bacteria. There's a whole bunch of different types of bacteria present in a microbiome, and they're present in different ways, and they're present in different amounts as well. Some some of those we'll go into on, a, on another day in the podcast. We'll have to jump in full-scale detail on probiotics later on. But the main point here is that the probiotics, as we understand them right now, they don't represent the entirety of the gut microbiome, much less the entirety of the human microbiome. Okay? So, well, what the heck, Dr. K, you say, and you're very salty about this, you're very upset. What the heck? What's the point of taking a probiotic then? Is there any way that we can get a more accurate understanding of someone's microbiome? And this, my dear listeners, is where we start to go off the rails just a little bit. Um, as I mentioned, the problem with probiotics is that they don't accurately represent the entirety of the gut microbiome, much less the entirety of the human microbiome. It's just too small of a percentage. So while that doesn't mean that probiotics are useless, it does mean that we just shouldn't expect too much from them, okay? So how do we get an intact 
microbiome. Well, the best place to get a gut microbiome is from the closest thing to a gut that we can find, and that takes the form of something called a fecal transplant. And yes, a fecal transplant is exactly what it sounds like. A fecal transplant extracts bacteria from existing fecal matter of one population and then gives it to a new population, similar to a probiotic, actually. The main difference, other than the obvious one of having it be extracted from a fecal sample, is that the bacteria found in the sample is very similar to the one that is present in the gut. And so the fecal transplant is a much more dramatic and complete change in microbiomes than a probiotic ever is or ever was. So now you're looking quizzically at your phone and you're thinking, okay, Dr. K, I'll buy that. Um, we've made a more accurate probiotic, essentially. That's very cool. So what's the next step? How does that make things better? Now, remember I mentioned that the microbiomes mediate how well our bodies do things. So that means that in theory, if you have someone who has a weak microbiome, they could be getting sick and having diseases that could just be eradicated if they had a different microbiome in place. That means that fecal transplants actually could be used as a way to eradicate disease. And in fact, currently one accepted method of treating, uh, treating clostridium infections, clostridium is also known as C. diff, it's a common hospital-acquired infection, one accepted method of treating those infections is using a fecal transplant. Now, before you get too excited, I want to emphasize that fecal transplants, they're still um, they're still very much in their infancy, and it can get really complicated really quickly. Fecal transplants, they don't always work with every disease. And a lot of people consider fecal transplants um, very similar to tissue transplants, which means that you need to have a very, very specific donor and a very, very specific acceptor in order for these transplants to work and not, you know, kill people. So it's an emerging technology, but it's a way that um, that people think you could eradicate a whole bunch of diseases by encouraging and curating an appropriate mi microbiome. So that's super, super cool. Now, wait, Dr. K, you say you grabbed my shoulder before I exit stage left. You said something about grandpa parkouring off the side of the building. What was that all about? Now, that is an amazing question, but maybe you can already guess. If bacteria influence the way that we do things, maybe instead of thinking of fecal transplants solely as ways of preventing bad things from happening, maybe we can think of them as encouraging and enhancing abilities as well. Now, stop it, you say. That can't be real. But yes, it can and it is real. Why, while we have absolutely nothing remotely approaching that in humans at this point, there are actually some really cool studies in mice that indicate how bacteria can enhance abilities, including this one really neat one that came out uh, in 2022 from Yonsei University in South Korea. In this study, the fecal microbiome of young mice were given to really old mice. And then they measured a number of factors related to muscle health. And guess what? If you gave a young microbiome to an older mouse, this increased muscle thickness, this increased water attention, it increased grip strength in the case of older mice, essentially reinvigorating the older mouse and restoring their physical fitness so it more closely resembled what it was when they were younger. Now, obviously we are way far away from this, but what would this look like if you did this in humans? Could you get a blend of microbiomes to the point where you could maintain or restore athletic function in older people? Could you, uh, could you enhance the abilities of the young even by supplementing their microbiome with a different type of bacteria? The questions that you can get from this, the possibilities are very, very many, but uh, it's a really, really cool way of demonstrating again how dependent we are 
on bacteria in our everyday life and how changing that bacteria and optimizing that bacteria could really, really be transformative for people both now and, and in the future. Uh, okay, guys, let's do this from the top. Number one, bacteria mediate the way that we interact with our environment. And a healthy or harmful microbiome influences how we sense and respond to our environment. Number two, probiotics work by trying to enhance a healthy microbiome, but they can fall short given the complexity of, the, of an existing microbiome. Number three, fecal transplants are an emerging technology that more accurately configures microbiomes by extracting bacterial cultures from fecal material. And finally, number four, fecal transplants are used now as a therapy for C. diff and could someday be used to as ways to enhance the human experience, like rejuvenation of older people should they ever want that. What, what a cool, cool short story of bacteria and what exciting questions and possibilities for the future. But in any event, that is what I have for you today, everyone. Thank you so much for hanging out with me again. I hope you all have a beautiful and blessed and amazing day. And I hope you'll join me again next week for another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria.